heard a story about a little boy who had received a toy lawnmower as a gift for his birthday, and the next day his dad was going outside to mow the yard, and no sooner than his dad got outside, but his little boy was on his heels with his toy lawnmower right behind him pretending to mow the yard. But after about 10 minutes, he went back inside, and mom said, well, I thought you were going to go mow the yard with, with dad, and the little boy said, it's too hot outside, I'm going to mow in here for a while. Uh, and I'm sure that many of you can relate to that, especially as hot and humid as it's been up here in uh, Michigan the last couple of weeks. I've also been thinking, though, about that little boy and, and what he did as I've been thinking about that verse that we've been meditating on all month during the month of August. Uh, that verse that I'm referring to is in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where we read uh, the, Micah, or the prophet Micah say these words to the people of God. He has shown you, O people, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And of course, that's the verse that we've been walking through through this month as we've been in the series, Walk This Way, and kind of breaking down what that verse means and ap- applying it to our lives. And I, I kind of feel like that little boy when I think about trying to live my life according to that verse. Because the times in my life when I have been truly inspired to go out and to, to act justly and to love mercy, and I try to do that on a, you know, uh, I, I try to live my life that way. But as you know, we all have, you know, ups and downs. And, and so those times when I've really been, I'm, I'm, you know, I really want to commit to living this way, it doesn't take long, probably about 10 minutes, before I realize that this is going to be a lot hotter and a lot more difficult uh, than I had originally planned. And that's why that last phrase in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, walking humbly with God is so important. But before we dive into what that phrase means and and trying to apply it to our lives, I, I hope you don't miss the wonder of the reality of that phrase, walking with God, that God wants to walk with you, and he desires for you to walk humbly with him. In fact, one of the earliest pictures that we have of God is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, in the Garden of Eden, that in the cool of the day, God is is walking, that he desires to to, to walk and and have communion and, 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 and fellowship and relationship and conversation with Adam and Eve from the very beginning. Or I think about in in Genesis chapter 5 verse 24, a man by the name of Enoch, he's described as walking faithfully with God. It says Enoch walked faithfully faithfully with God and then he was no more because God took him away. It's as though Enoch is just walking one day in the earthly realm and then God comes along and he takes him from the earthly realm and he walks him right into the heavenly realm. And I think that's just such a, a powerful and beautiful image picture, this picture of walking with God and God walking with us. And the, the image, the picture, the, 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 the inference there is that, that we're going somewhere together from one place to another. We're not leaving each other to, to go away for a time and, and we're going one place and he's going another. Uh, you know, God's not just up for us coming to, to meet him at an appointed place and an appointed time, but rather he wants to walk with us and, and, and us with him. And to walk with him means that, that all of life, throughout our lives, we are, we are going out and about and walking together with him. And I want to emphasize that right off the bat because this is one of the things that the people of God just didn't get in Micah's day. 
If you remember, the questions that they're asking in the verses immediately preceding our theme verse that we've been looking at in, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, they're asking these questions in verses 6 and 7 of Micah chapter 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? All of these questions revolve around the idea of, okay, God, what do we bring to the temple? What what, what do I bring before you to please you, to get you back on our side? And God basically comes and he says through the prophet Micah, you're missing the boat. If you really want to please me, I want you to act justly. I want you to love mercy. And I want you to walk humbly with me, not just within the temple walls, but outside the temple walls. And I think it's worth noting that in both the beginning and the ending of Scripture, the writers speak of a time where there is no temple. There was no temple in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, right? And there is no temple in heaven in Revelation. Rather, only the Lord is our temple. In both the beginning and the ending of history, God fellowships with His people without a temple, in a temple-free zone. And that's what He originally intended. And it's what he's going to restore in the end. Why? Because God wants us to walk with him. Not just to walk into a church building, but to walk with him and he with us throughout all of life. Nothing compartmentalized from his presence and his will. And I think this is so worth getting a hold of in our spirit because there's so many people today who who when they think about God or they think about a relationship with God, they think about these four walls. Think about coming to a a church service, coming to an assembly, and and it just kind of stops there. But God doesn't just want us to come and, and sit with him and before him in here. He wants us to go and walk with him and he with us out there. And humbly walking with him out there is indispensable when it comes to living justly and loving mercy in our world. How many of you remember the old, uh, I, guess, I don't know how old they are. Um, I haven't seen an American Express commercial in a while. But how many of you remember those old American Express commercials? The tagline was, don't leave home without it, right? And I would tell you that when it comes to learning to live justly and love mercy in our world, don't leave home without him. Don't leave here without him. Because I don't think we can truly grow in learning to live justly and mercifully in our world apart from walking humbly with our God. I think it's worth noting that the, uh, the word, when, when, uh, that humbly, walk humbly with God, with our, with our God. The word humble or, or humility comes from the Latin word, the root of the Latin word uh, for earth or, or ground. And one of the ways of, uh, to think of humility and, and being humble is to think of ourselves as, as grounded, limited beings. And in many ways, there are few things that remind me more of how limited and how grounded I am than when I attempt to live in just and merciful ways in this world, because I just fall short so often. 
That's why I need an unlimited God in order to help me transcend my limitations when it comes to living justly and mercifully in our world. And I believe that walking humbly with God brings us three things, gives us three things that I want to talk about uh, this morning uh, that I think help us to better live justly and mercifully in our world. And the first is this, walking with him gives us the freedom to courageously live justly and mercifully. It gives us the freedom to courageously live justly and mercifully. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, he says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the face. faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And then the very next words that he pens on the paper are in verse 14. Do everything in love. And the reality is that in order for us to be a people who do everything in love, who act justly and love mercy on a, on a consistent basis, we need the freedom that comes from walking with God to help us courageously live that way. Earlier in the series, I noted that one of the reasons why we often don't treat each other justly or mercifully or why we sometimes treat each other unjustly and unmercifully is often due to our own insecurities and our own fears You know, for instance, if I think that the buck stops with me when it comes to who's going to look out for me and who's going to care for me, then I'm probably not going to look after you at the expense of me. If I think it's all up to me when it comes to taking care of me, then more often than not, I'm going to choose me at the expense of you. Now, we'd like to think we don't do that, but when the rubber meets the road, so to speak, that's usually what is the outcome. But... If I believe that, that God cares for me and he's looking after me, that actually frees me up to live justly and mercifully toward you, even at the expense of me looking after me, because I know that he is looking after me. It reminds me of the story I heard about a young, strong construction worker on a construction site And he just, every single day he would come in and and he'd just brag about how strong he was and how he could do more than anybody else and last longer than anybody else. And he he had a a very particular penchant for picking on some of the older uh, workers at the construction site and kind of bragging about how much, much more he could do than them and and, and just how, you know, old they were and and how they just didn't live up to his standards and how big and strong he was. And, And so after several days of this, there was one older worker who had just had enough. He could not take any more. And so finally that older worker said, well, why don't you just go ahead and put your money where your mouth is, son? I'll bet you a week's wages that I can haul something in that wheelbarrow right there over to that section over there that you can't haul back. And the young man said, I'll take your bet, old man. The old man grabbed the wheelbarrow, turned to the young man, and he said, all right, get in. (laughs) Point of the story is you can't carry yourself, right? Some of you are like, I don't get it. You can't push yourself in a wheelbarrow. That's very difficult to do. I, you, you can try it when you get home and uh, take video. We'd love to see that if you, if you do that. But walking humbly with God reminds us that there is someone greater than us who's looking after us. And that's good news because we can't carry ourselves. We cannot carry ourselves. And yet so many of us are inclined to act and think that we can. So 
what we try to do every single day, to think that we can carry ourselves, we can do it on our own, that the buck stops with me. And in most cases, in more cases than not, the times in my life where I have acted unjustly and unmercifully towards somebody else was when I was living as though it was all up to me. That it all depended on me to take care of myself, and I clamped down on my resources. I clamped down on my generosity. I clamped down on my willingness to forgive, because that's what happens. That's what we do. When we forget that we have one working with us who cares for us, our tendency is to gravitate towards being anxious, towards being worried that that we're not going to have enough, and to clamping down on our resources. And as a result, we're not as open to doing the just and right things and to being merciful with the resources that we have, to recognizing other needs in our world. But as we walk with God, we find the freedom to do the just and right things in regard to what needs to be done around us. We find the freedom to be merciful because I'm not worried about how you respond or, 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 or do I have enough because I know my Heavenly Father is taking care of me. And so I have the freedom to be opened up to just things and merciful things and, and to open my eyes to the needs around me and those that are hurting and in need and, and impoverished and disenfranchised. I can open my eyes and be generous and merciful with those people because we know that the one who is looking out for us is actually looking out for us. And listen, he's in no danger of having his resources exhausted. He's got it. And that's why I say that walking with him will bring you the freedom to courageously live justly and mercifully because you already know that you can't carry yourself. Here's the second thing. Walking with him gives us the wisdom to consistently live justly and mercifully. Sometimes... It is difficult to know what the just and merciful thing to do is in our lives and in our world, right? I mean, sometimes you just run across, sometimes it's not hard, and you know it's right in front of you. Here's the the right thing to do. Here's the just thing to do. But there's other times where it's hard. What what is the right thing to do? You got two issues. Okay, how how do I, what's the just thing to do when I've got this over here and I've got this over here? And, And there are complex issues involving justice and mercy that we face in our businesses, in our businesses, in our families, in our communities, in our society, in our church, right? I mean, we, we, we have these issues that, okay, I need wisdom in how to deal with this. And there are times, listen, where people can quote Scripture on both sides of an issue. You have issues that involve justice and mercy. Which way do we go? And there's people that can quote Scripture. Sometimes, you know, you, you get, I'm, I'm not talking about misquoting Scripture, but there are people that can quote Scripture and give good evidences on both sides of an issue. And even beyond that, you know, wisdom isn't just needed to know what is the just and merciful thing to do. Wisdom is also needed when, when it comes to how we carry it out. How do we actually do this? How do we actually walk this out? Okay, I can know kind of what needs to be done, but how do, how, I need the wisdom to actually walk it out and, and do it. I, I think of an example of this is in Acts chapter 6 when the church is just booming in, in, in Jerusalem there. And so, because it's booming, there's a lot of needs that need to be taken care of. And one of those, um, one of the people that were kind of left behind, there was a, a, a kind of a, a group of people um, that were being left behind. And in particular, it was the Grecian widows, the widows uh, from Greece. A certain nationality of people were kind of being left 
behind and overlooked in the daily distribution of, of food and help for their needs. And so the apostles, they gather all the disciples together and they say, okay, we're going to handle this. Right? We're going we're to take care of this because this is an issue that needs to be dealt with. And then they said, choose seven men from among yourselves who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Because we not only need wisdom in choosing them, but we need, they need wisdom in knowing how to deal with this. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. There are times when living justly and living mercifully is going to require great wisdom. And the reason it's important that you and I are already walking with God is because he's the source of wisdom. Not, not as we talked about a couple weeks ago, what our, 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 our culture says or what our country says or what our conscience says, but God is the source of wisdom when it comes to how we walk out any issue involving justice and any issue when it comes to dispensing uh, mercy. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. I, I love this section of Scripture. Listen to what, what the, the writer says. For the Lord gives wisdom. Okay, that's the, that's the first part. Understand that. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart. Isn't that a good, like I love that picture. Wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will will guard you. And then James says in James chapter, 13 verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, if you think it's all up to you, that's what's going to happen. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote-unquote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And so if we're going to consistently live justly and mercifully in our world, we need the wisdom that only walking with him can bring. And then finally, walking with him gives us the hope to continuously, over the long haul, live justly and mercifully. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't, don't grow tired of doing good, of doing the right things, of doing the just things, of doing the merciful things. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about those who, who see a great need for justice and, and mercy in this world is that if we're not careful, sometimes we can become embittered or we can become depressed about it all. You know, it, it's, it's, it's so easy sometimes to read the headlines, to see what's going on, to watch the news, and to either become embittered or just become depressed and overwhelmed about it all. Some of us have a tendency to gravitate towards bitterness because it just seems that no one else sees the issue, right? Like, how do, how do other people not see that there's a need here? 
whether on a large scale or maybe on a smaller scale in, in our community or, or in your family or what you're dealing with on a very smaller, a much smaller level. Others of, us, others of us get depressed because the problem just seems so overwhelming. Like, I don't even see an answer, much less how to, how to get that answer across. And before long, some of us just want to retreat from trying anything at all. Reminds me of a, a story I, I heard about a woman named Karen Hughes that she tells when she served as communications director and later advisor to um, President George uh, W. Bush at the time when he was in office. office. Uh, early on, when he first asked her to serve, she was extremely reticent about getting involved in politics of any kind. She felt like the whole process was corrupt and just the whole uh, thing was such a mess. And she told Bush initially, the whole process does not seem very Christian. And he immediately retorted, the process isn't Christian, Karen, but it's important for Christians to be involved in the process. And I love that imagery. I don't want to get political. I just love that imagery of, you know, there, there's a lot of things where we might not understand the process, but it's involved, it's important for us to get involved in the process and maybe making the process more Christian, but inevitably just for us to be involved in dispensing justice and mercy. We got to get involved. We got to do something. And sometimes we want, we want to take a step back because it just seems overwhelming. Or it seems like, you know, nobody sees the problem that we see and we've lost hope that there can be any good done in this world, and, and, and so we just simply want to retreat. And yet that's why Micah's closing words are so important. I love what he says in chapter 7, or verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 7. He says, But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. Those words, my God will hear me, tell us that Micah is praying about these matters. He knows the burden is too great for him to bear alone. And the truth is, God was carrying that burden long before Micah started carrying it. And whatever it is that's burdening you right now about what's wrong in our world, or in your business, or with your family, with your organization, in our society, in our community, Whatever it is that's weighing you down, that sometimes you have a tendency to feel like I'm the only one who sees this or I'm the one, only one who cares for this, I want to remind you, you're not carrying that burden alone. God is carrying it too. And the truth is, he's been carrying it long before you ever took up that mantle. And the fact is, he'll be carrying it long after you and I are gone. And what you feel in your heart right now is his invitation to come, come alongside him. And, and, and not to take the burden from him, but to take the burden with him. And instead to say, I'm willing to be your, your, your mouth. I'm willing to be your eyes. I'm willing to be your hands. I'm willing to be your feet. I'm willing to be your body to bear, bear witness to, to justice in this way, to bear witness to mercy in this way. And as you do so, I believe you'll find the freedom. You'll find the wisdom. You'll find the hope to carry on. It was Micah who said in Micah chapter 3, verse 8, but as for me, I am filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And you know what? That's really the only way to continuously live justly and mercifully over the long haul. It's to be filled 
with the Spirit of the Lord, a Spirit that will bring you freedom, a Spirit that will bring you wisdom, a Spirit that will bring you hope on your journey of living justly and mercifully out there in the world around you. In just a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. But I want to leave you with a blessing that I think wraps up this series and that we've been in for this month uh, as you and I seek to live justly and mercifully in our world. It's an old Franciscan blessing. It does have a, a little bit of modern touch into it, but um, it goes like this. I love this. May God bless you with a restless discomfort, a restless discomfort at easy answers and half-truths and superficial relationships so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom, and peace. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you may be able, with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. And I would add, you can only do it as you are filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And He wants to bring you freedom to do it. He wants to bring you wisdom to do it. And He wants to bring you hope to do it, starting today. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I I know sometimes, myself included, we can put on certain faces and certain facades when we come in here. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. Maybe some of us need a fresh batch of courage to live courageously, to have that freedom to live courageously in our world and to dispense mercy, to act justly. Some of us need to be set free so that we can live in such a way. Others of us need wisdom, wisdom for how we can dispense mercy. What's the right thing to do here? What's the just thing to do here in this situation? How do do I go about dispensing mercy in this situation that I'm dealing with? I need wisdom in how to proceed mercifully and justly. And others of us maybe need a fresh measure of hope. As Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, I love this verse, we need to pray that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him, that we may be over flowing with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to live justly and mercifully in this world, no matter what disappointments, no matter what obstacles we might face. Wherever you are, I pray today that you would make it your heart's greatest desire to know him, to walk with him, so that he might give you his freedom, his wisdom, and his hope, so that you might proceed to live justly and mercifully out there for his glory.